Welcome to Vox Vomitus, also known as Word Vomit. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest live episode of Vox Vomitus. I am your host, Jennifer Ann Gordon, the author of the Kindle award-winning novel, Beautiful, Frightening, and Silent, as well as Pretty Ugly and the Japanese Vox and other stories. Joining me today, as always, is my Vox Vomitus vixen, my twin for the day, we're twins. We're twins. It'll make sense later, I promise. Uh, <laughs> Alison Martine, author of The Bourbon Books, which includes dibs since September, Move on Melinda and Climb the Salmon Ladder. Joining us today from an undisclosed secretive <laughs> medical laboratory, we have Hiren Ennis, author of the fantastic debut novel, Leech, uh, which came out last year. I recently just read it. Allison has read it now for the second time, if that tells you anything about how excited we are to have Hiren on the show. Hiren, welcome to Vox Vomitus. Thank you for having me and uh, letting me vomit my Vox. Yes! Yes, thank you. <laughs> thank you for using that in the most correct manner possible for our <laughs> fake Latin. And as someone with a science background, we appreciate you validating our fake Latin. <laughs> oh, God. Mo yeah, most most of science is probably fake Latin anyway. Yeah, or like, you know, yeah. as somebody who went to school for theater, I always believed that most of science was fake Latin or just like a gobbledygook that was just written like um, the fake Latin that they use in exorcisms on Supernatural. Okay. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. And as, as a reformed lawyer, I mean, we learned if you didn't really know what to say, just throw some Latin in there because yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Proac Vice. They don't know what that means. And then you're fine. Yeah. Or fine. even better, you take like one one part Latin, one part Greek, and you smash them together and oh. if nobody notices, like you get extra that's, points for that. Oh no, that's that makes me hurt. Like you can't do that. <laughs> like, I like that? it. How dare you? Jen's like, yes. I love it because then I feel like it's just memorizing lines. I could do that. That is, yeah, you could do, I that. Could do that. Yeah. Just yeah. Then I, could, I could be a doctor of <laughs> of uh we'll theater. get there. A theater. theater. Not of yeah. anything in this book because, okay. I couldn't so handle it. <laughs> I had to, I have to apologize to Jennifer repeatedly because I loved Hiren's book so much. I told her to read it after I read it the first time. Couldn't locate Hiren anywhere because, well, they're in an unclosed location, as you can see. Like, we had to dig to find Hiren's working. Um, but, again... I was able to track it down. Special huge thanks to Sunny Dean, who was like, I read it and loved it. I'm like, me too. And I would love to have them on my show. And we don't know how to find them. And Sunny knew people who knew people who knew people who knew hiring. So we were able to do that. And then I'm like, Jen, now you really have to do it. Listen to it. And I completely forgot all of her phobias about like eyeballs and things and eyeballs. Eyeballs so is like a major of phobias. <laughs> I know I have the minor crab <laughs> phobia. I have the minor phobia of apples. You have apples. phobias of raw meat. Raw meat is of everything. So I don't feel like there's any safe book. Even but a eyeballs is that the, wouldn't trigger that's you. the big one. That's a big one. Um, yeah. And we'll, we'll get there. Um, Hyren, <laughs> Our audience is probably like, what the hell is this book about? It's called Leech. Hiren's in a top yeah. secret location. Mm -hmm. uh, tell us first a little bit about you and a little bit about Leech. Uh, cool. Yeah. So uh, I'm Hiren. Uh, Leech was sort of conceived between my undergrad and graduate school. So uh, my background's actually in physics, and I was working next to a biophysics lab that was. Uh, studying the emergent behavior of slime molds and how, <laughs> yeah, um, and self-organizing self slime, <laughs> slime mold, yeah, no, uh, self-organizing biological tissues and how they can make these really complex, uh, almost crystalline structures and how things like slime mold can take millions of different parts and almost consciously organize it into larger structures. And that is and terrifying. So <laughs> terrifying. <know>. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought it was really cool. So I graduated. Um, I didn't know where I wanted to go with my life, what I wanted to do. Um, I was sort of leaning away from physics because I kept getting calls from the military being like, do you, oh, do you want to make lasers for anti-aircraft uh, stuff? No. And, it was like a choice between that or working in academia. And I'm like, oh, gosh, mm, both I, are really terrifying in yeah, completely different ways than yeah, slime mold. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> and not as interesting. Like <laughs> yeah, no. So I'd always sort of had uh, this love of 
biology. There are uh, family members in the medical field that I had. So I already had sort of the privilege of an in and insight into that world. Um, but after I graduated, I was sort of, uh, you know, existentially wandering. Um, I was living in the basement of a Virginia Woolf professor at that time. <laughs> <laughs> that's an entire that's book two that's the way yeah. I would read no, that but, I would read whatever that is sentient <laughs> slime mold living in the basement of a Virginia Woolf professor's house go there's your one line pitch yeah. and go that's 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 my personal pitch I'm the, I'm the slime mold <laughs> I'm the slime mold yes it's been me all the time yeah so she she also she had like literary connections that I never you know, like I was, it was sort of such a confluence of just like weird luck and privilege and uh, knowing someone who knew someone else who forwarded me like a link to like an online writing course. And she's like, Hiron, you're depressed. You live in my basement. You're not applying to grad school. You're just a mess. So do something fun. You've always joked about how you didn't want to do real science and you wanted to write like schlocky sci-fi. Um <laughs> So she sent me this like link to an online writing course. And at that time uh, I was studying for the MCAT and just kind of miserable. So on a whim, I took it. Um, it was really fun. It was the first writing course, like fiction writing course I'd ever taken. Um, I learned what a workshop was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, it's but, a really interesting first experience when you're like, oh, it's your workshop. And you're like, oh, people are just going to tell me everything they don't enjoy. I love enjoy. it. I loved it because it was it was a, like so the people in the workshop yeah. were um, none of them were really sci fi horror. They were all sort of like, you know, literary fiction people yeah. or like one of them was like a YA author. And they came at it from all these different angles and they all had these really disparate critiques uh, which was a really good lesson in taking what advice you you think is good for you. Yeah, um, you're like discarding all the rest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. First off, your book completely fails as a rom com. I mean, I'm just gonna come out and say it. The Are you sure? <laughs> I don't know. Me too. This kind of weird. Some chemistry, but yeah, there's some chemistry, of the... but that's not the kind about. Yeah, there's like, there's oh, chemistry, but it's yeah, it's a uh, it's exothermic and explosive. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, long story is still kind of long. I took the course. Uh, at the end, they sort of introduced you to an agent uh, because they gave you feedback on like how to write a letter to an agent and how to pitch your book. So this and, is actually a useful writing course because a lot of people come out of stuff going, course. I don't yes. know how to write a query. Yeah. A query. So yeah, exactly. What do you mean by log line? You know, like, no. yeah. and I'm like, oh, I'm supposed to. Okay. I didn't know yeah. how to write a query letter. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I still don't. Not well, but <laughs> yeah. But um, received feedback on that. One of the agents who was supposed to critique the query letter was actually interested in seeing the full manuscript, and I had only written like six thousand words of a novel, so I had That's to write the rest. Right. Of, I had to write the rest of the novel. Um, gave them the finished manuscript like a year later. They decided they didn't like it after all, but then like passed me on to someone else who also didn't like it, who passed me on to someone else who also didn't like it and sort of like went down a train for a while. But I feel like it's while. still such a good compliment, the fact that they were passing you on to anyone yeah. instead yeah. of just Not the blanket. Like, no, yeah, no, they were all, they were all very helpful. Um, yeah, it was, it was a really, uh, really cool thing that happened. And so uh, I got uh, an agent and a, publisher like in my second year of med school and then uh got as a you do. deal yeah as like, <laughs> I don't think anybody else is like we've got rounds or I don't even know what happens in the second year of med school but they have other concerns and you're like no, I have it's, a like it's it's such a bad idea I would not recommend writing yeah. in med school and or residency it is uh exhausting and yeah, I'm expecting you to have bigger bags under your eyes there because just residency alone should have killed you. But then you were also doing the publishing at the same time. I'm yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah. How you I have to wonder what this your schedule was like to be, you know, doing, you know, whatever medical school things happen. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I mean, I saw a couple episodes of Grey's Anatomy like 20 years ago, but I don't <laughs> think that's factual. I watched um, Scrubs. 
And then that's not helpful. <laughs> and then like somehow balancing going home and like doing a like a possible rewrite or edits or just thinking about the fact that this creature that you created yeah. is going to be literally unleashed into the world. Yeah. <laughs> Did you have a, like an identity crisis? Did you think I'm going to drop out of med school? Because that's probably would have been my first. Oh, yeah. 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 The first thing I did when I got and when I actually got a publisher was like phone uh, my aunt, who is an artist and a harpist. And uh, she's sort of balanced. She's done the art work life balance for a long time. And I'm like, mm -hmm. what do you recommend? And she's like, absolutely, unequivocally, never quit your day job. <laughs> words of wisdom from the harpist and yeah that that makes sense but did she give you any kind of guidance about how to get through the next year or two to do no, oh, yeah. so, no. So, so did you finish or should we be addressing you as doctor no please oh, don't okay. <laughs> i i am a doctor but but you don't need to call oh, me doctor okay. Okay. but you yeah. are a uh, you are a doctor you are a doctor okay so i i am a medical doctor yes yes Yes, but I'm a resident. I don't have independent practice privileges for another couple of years because I'm still technically in training. Yeah. You do that. <laughs> so <laughs> even though you're still technically that. in training, you are on a podcast right now in possibly right. in a hospital. Yes. Right? yes. Somewhere in someone else's location. Somewhere yeah. in an empty office somewhere. No patient. This isn't like a HIPAA violation by you having like patient info up here. Like this person's got the diabetes. Um, no, no, no. Let me let me be clear. There is no uh, patient information on the screen, nor will I speak well, about like, any patient information. There's a patient right next to you going, I have an owie. Could you please come help? And you're like, oh, our healthcare system sucks. Okay, so Miffy says, my son's an M2 and his schedule's crazy. No way could he edit his screenplays this year. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I don't think Heron's recommending it. Heron is not recommending doing any of this. This was a, no. this was a weird way to do it for quite a weird book, which I, when you say that you wanted to write schlocky sci-fi, I wanted this is to not schlocky sci-fi. <laughs> how dare you? And second of all, no, it's not. Because I feel like I have such a heart for and people who watch this and know I wanted to be a biologist but I talk too damn much and I scare away the animals and I cannot math between those two things I am not allowed in the science field but I actually did a rainforest expedition when I was in high school I wanted to be a zoologist I love sci-fi that actually does science and you can see your science background on display here and not in a showy way but in a way that it just has this undercurrent of realism and not like there's aliens and they all speak a language we can somehow understand you like that's right, just right. how this is so people who have like a a very low tolerance for schlock sci-fi this book is still yours now the eyeball stuff we'll get to that well i was just this is like one of the first things i've heard of that i've like recently that has been for me like horror sci-fi or specifically gothic sci-fi which as you can tell by my background and my like you know green hair and everything yeah. my, my whole vibe my whole gig is uh love the whole gothic ideal I'm and just gothic I, adjacent yeah you're gothic adjacent <laughs> which is still good um but yeah when we saw sci-fi and gothic I was like this is the perfect book for Allison who is sci-fi or pretend, yeah. or pretend sci-fi, or pretend horror. You know, like so. Yeah, I was just so intrigued by it, and even though, I mean, you'll talk about the book a little bit more, but it's set in like the future. It's still, that isn't. It doesn't feel like the future. It like it took me like a long time to figure out we were in. The <laughs> Not too bright. I'm like, what? I think oh. I read someplace that it was in the future, and that's how I knew because mm. I was like, "Ooh, I want to mm. go back to this time." No, I'm like, wait, no, <laughs> this, is, this, uh, this doesn't happen. Yeah. So what you was just have to wait a long time. Yeah, a really long, long time. Long time. And, and there are hints along the way. So when it comes together, it's not like this blindsided me, but it's not like the year is fill in a magical number like sometimes sci-fi does. Or right. it's not a future that is a future I've seen before, which I really loved because it didn't feel like the hokey, okay, everybody's on their little hoverboards or whatever, or mm -hmm. we always assume progress and we probably shouldn't. So 
I love that this felt like a regressive future in many ways, and yet still a future that was recognizable as human in so many ways. Um, so what was the inspiration for setting it in that kind of world that you created? And was it just living in Virginia Woolf's basement? <laughs> that should explain a lot. Uh, that probably is an explanation for some yeah. of it. But I, I think like, like just, just going back to the kind of, background science. Um, I really, really, really love um, thinking about how things can evolve over like long, long time scales. Mm -hmm. And I think that a lot of sci-fi that I've read that's sort of post-apocalyptic has to do with the immediate post-apocalyptic future. Like yeah. something bad happens and now everyone has devolved into animals and it sucks. And mm -hmm. it's so, so boring. Like it's, you know, the postman type stuff. I was going to say, there's usually Pedro Pascal escorting a magical child across. Yes, yes. They haven't reestablished society yet. And in yours, it is so well established that it feels like, if you didn't know better, some of the early signs feel like they're in the past. Like, yeah. 1800s Victorian is where I kind of felt we were until I'm like, wait a second. But the musty wallpaper and the steps yes. that squeak. And, oh, <laughs> and just like the kind of That's rock your house, of Jennifer. House. That's your my house. My house is not rotting, but it does. Have okay, just check. <laughs> the wallpaper, like that's that's a shower curtain behind you. That's, <laughs> that's the shower curtain. Don't let anybody yeah. fool you. Oh, is it? I thought it's totally just wallpaper for a second. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah, just I'm a really like, flexible wallpaper. It's just really flexible because it's underneath covered in slimy mold that is. Yes. It has become uh, its own person. It's become sentient. Yeah. It loves the show. <laughs> <laughs> it's like thank you. Um, but then you have these characters come in, and it feels like it's it's fu it's future past France. I don't I don't know. Do you have a French background somewhere that you pull from, or a uh, French class that you hated that you wanted to throw under the bus? <laughs> I, I'm I'm Canadian originally, but I'm I'm from Western Canada, so my whole life has just been a constant state of uh, uh, French speaking. Uh, imposter syndrome where <laughs> because I've lived most of my life in non-French speaking places but I'm still Canadian it's always just been like oh I have to go I, you know I have to relearn French I got to take this class and again. Your parents I brush speak up. French because so my mom was Canadian is Canadian mm -hmm. and so I grew up in the United States not French my dad didn't speak French so I barely spoke French but my mom did yeah and like my entire life I've been like why did I take German why did <laughs> right. I, not helpful you right. know take every language when like I should have just taken French you know what the hell my mom's been saying all these years mom, yeah you're, you're, your mom com yeah your I'm mom like, complaining under her breath yeah. about you I know I'm like I think I in my own way I really just didn't want to know what she was saying about me yeah. it was a defense mechanism I can understand that yeah well, so, but this is how we got Emile and Didier. Yes. Yeah, yeah. These, these names. I, I mean, it doesn't explain why some other people have tails. That's not a <laughs> French feature that I know. I mean, maybe they're Fraggles or Monchichi. Did Monchichi huh? have tails? I don't know. I almost wore a tail today, but did. I realized that you wouldn't be able to see it, and I'd have to like lift it up and like <laughs> waggle it. So that's why instead, Allison and I dressed as we're the twins. Twins, we're and the our twins. hair is tangled. To, I'm going the wrong way. Our hair is tangled together. I I love. Okay, so <laughs> we, we like, up, what Alice. the heck? Um, you've had time to go read the book, or in my case, I've listened to it twice. I loved your narrator. Um, but there are there are two little girls in this who are. I mean, they're not the twins from The Shining, but I feel like they pay a little, little Yeah, they pay a little bit of you know cultural homage to it where. No one's really sure what they're doing and they're putting weird tokens around the house and saying things that are just not quite right and no one's really sure what to do with them and the doctor <laughs> comes in and so i i don't feel like it's a spoiler to say the doctor comes in knowing more than someone new to this manner where they are assigned to take over for a prior doctor should know and it's eventually revealed why they know all this stuff but i don't i don't necessarily want to say why but they come in knowing a lot and it's like yep yeah, used to them <laughs> these girls are just yeah. like, our hair is stuck together. Oh, yeah. no one I, we weren't doing any. Okay, seriously, girls, how do you get your hair stuck together? I my kids might do that. They didn't. It has not happened yet. In my head, I just felt like there. Uh, maybe this is me being like a natural curly-haired girl. That it's like this will get tangled to anything that I get too close to. <laughs> it's like Velcro too, getting next to each other, or like the teenagers with their braces locking. 
Yeah. Yeah. Like, I won't lie. My hair has been tangled on in my husband's long hair. When we were both ballroom dancing, my hair would get tangled in his shirt. Like, mid-dance, and we'd be like, "Uh uh-oh, like, this is what's happening. So I'm really related to those twins. Yeah, I'm I'm the only person, I guess I have sort of wavy hair, but I'm the only sort of straight-haired person in a family of really tightly curled heads. Uh, so, <laughs> so that was also a, that was also a genetic thing. You're like, these are my cousins. Look yes. at us. Yes. Yeah. But none yeah. of them have tails. We're just clarifying. No one has tails, right? No one in my family has tails that I know of. That, that they right. But I mean, yeah. I'm not very familiar with Western Canada, so. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. I mean, it's legal to marry your cousin in Alberta, so you know. First cousin. First cousin, yeah. Why? Um, when I lived in the Midwest, I lived in Ohio for a while. Uh, I was married before the person I'm married to right now, and I had to. When we filled out our marriage license, we had to do like a, a public oath and swear we were not first cousins. Oh, and like they make very swear an oath. <laughs> But what if you just like you're swearing and then you're like crossing fingers? I swear we're not kissing cousins. It's just like it was only second cousins, so I thought, well, at least that's something. <laughs> okay, so my my sister's husband is Korean, and they have to do like a lot of background checks to make sure because the common surnames are so common that his parents, my brother in law's parents, their last names were both Kim. They were not related to each other, but they mm. have to do background checks to make sure how closely those Kims are related. And the answer is there are a billion Kims out there, and most of them are not that closely related to each other. But it's just like imagine if America had half our country, our last names were all Smith. Trying to figure yeah. out if they're like related to those Smiths. As opposed to Brian Keene, who I hope I'm related to. He's a horror author that I probably could maybe be related to. I'm that, going to believe that you two are related. I want to be. He's probably like, why is this crazy woman claiming we're related just because we have the same last name and from Pennsylvania? Mm, yeah. You never know. But yeah. I'm also I mean, going to marry him. I just Genetic testing is, is cheaper nowadays, and you can always find out. <laughs> but Personally, I, mean, I want to find out I'm related to a Neanderthal. Is that a thing? Because I feel like that's... I like that. I don't know. I know that in certain populations, ostensibly, there is uh, you know, that Neanderthal DNA like floating (laughs) around, but I don't actually know. Like, probably mine. Really? It's been. (laughs) You just get a vibe that you're. No. Okay. So (laughs) there, there is a higher correlation with that in the neurodivergent community, and two of my three children are neurodivergent. So I'm like, that's clearly in my DNA. And we we now know more about stuff to know that Neanderthals were not like, you know, ugh ugh dumb people. They were they were more advanced. We they mostly right. just killed off by Homo sapiens because yeah. we're more aggressive and horrible. So there's that. So it's like I'm embracing I'm embracing that part and the the pattern seeking and all that stuff. So I don't know how much of that's true and how much of that's speculation, but I think it's cool. Yeah, I don't really know, and I I actually don't know how much we can know given the limited information that we have. So I mean, I like right for fiction, I guess. Science question. Like, <laughs> so, can you explain to us? <laughs> I have this spot on my like we're doing a medical exam here. Like it's telehealth. Like, is this going to be charged by my insurance if I ask for a diagnosis on this? Oh yeah. yeah no. So I guess before the show when we were talking about my fear of having something behind my eyeball which may or may not happen in your book. Um, oh, it happens. Do you think dry eye would be a symptom of having... Uh, <laughs> having pseudomycota? Uh, yeah. yeah, absolutely. 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 Okay. Dry uh, eye, uh, maybe just a little bit of a rash that you can't quite figure out how you got or like where Oh my God, but that's from. my entire life. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe a vague sense of unease, I think, is also... Oh. So a symptom of it, yeah. I have it for sure. And and to actually get to, so we're talking about this doctor shows up at this French-inspired, retro-future, I don't even know how to describe it, gothic chalet, where there's this man who should be dead, like seriously, why the Baron isn't dead, kept alive by so many things that I don't even, I love how minimal you said, because it just made my brain go to the worst places of like contraption <laughs> keeping alive in like tubes and all like I went to the worst places and I feel like Perfect. this should be directed by Tim Burton 
when they do the movie. I was thinking um, Cronenberg. Like, but my only complaint is we can't we cannot Bobby have Johnny Depp in this movie anywhere. This is a Johnny Depp free zone. Um Helena is fine. She can go. Um, but the weird stuff that this guy's kept alive and has this doctor come. So when the old doctor died under some interesting circumstances, which seemed unusual, um, this new young doctor comes in and no one takes this doctor seriously. And we don't figure out for a while based on how they talk about him that this doctor is very, very young. Like, I don't know how young the doctor is, but I felt like they are probably maybe 18, maybe ish. I was hoping younger than Doogie Hauser. <laughs> How old is Doogie Hauser? I don't know. Well, now he's like 50. Now he's now he's a grown up. I know. That's a reference for only like people who grew I know. up uh, when we're we old. We are I mean, old people. I think he was 15. I don't even know if he okay. was that. 16. Not, yeah. Not not 15 or 16. Headcanon is like 20 early okay. 20s which for many people is very very young to be a doctor like people patients used to ask me i mean they don't ask me anymore because i'm a pathologist i don't really work directly with patients uh but they're like are asking you anything you a little young to be a doctor and i got to the point where i started just like kind of lying to them and being like they're like how old are you and i'd be like 18. <laughs> just to screw with it in a, in a deadpan like, I went face. to Harvard when I was 12 yeah, yeah. I'm only 14 did you not now. read about me I was on the cover of People magazine <laughs> yeah. that's, that's yeah. when you say you know I just prematurely aged from all the studying I did and I'm yeah, yeah. only eight and a half I would just 12. say you have Benjamin Button's disease and you're yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like that's not real like isn't it but yeah <laughs> Like, so the doctor comes and they're young and they're not getting treated very seriously, but obviously they, they come along knowing a lot because they come in with some knowledge, find out that the doctor b beforehand has gone, gone off in some very weird circumstances that were unexpected and it leads them to Pseudomycota. And okay, did you make up that name? Is it actually Greek? Did we? Is it Vox Vomitus level of fake Greek? <laughs> it's Vox Vomitus level of fake. Uh, but, absolutely. So like, um, like you, you but it works. What you're trying to say? Yeah, yeah. But. It's like it's sort of it's uh, sort of maybe fungal, but it's not a fungus. It's like a fake fungus. So we'll, we'll call it pseudomycota. A fungus, <laughs> like F A U. Yeah, a fungus. Yeah. That would have worked. That would have worked even better because it's French. Oh my god! Why didn't I? And you're like, like, write that down. Fungus. <laughs> and and the way the doctor responds to this is not just like, oh no, this thing might have killed people, but it's such a like visceral and also like personal reaction. Like, how dare you? And it becomes clear why that yeah. is. Um, and I, Cause I feel like most, most doctors are like, Oh no, the human loss, new pathogen. It's like, Oh no, you, no. you, <laughs> how dare you think you're better than me? <laughs> yeah. That's, that's really what it comes back to. <laughs> and, and all the stuff going on there and like the boil, that the wife can't reach and just the, I don't know if you had any hand in picking who was going to be your narrator. Um, did you get a, a like list of people you could pick from? Because oh my god, they were amazing. Okay, right. yeah. I, I got a very short list of uh prospective narrators and I ended up choosing uh Abby Thorne because her uh, cadence is so good. Yes. And when I first listened, okay, Ellen, when I first listened to uh, the audiobook uh, and heard uh, Abby's Ellen. I was just like, this is the horniest bitch I have ever heard. It's yeah. so good. Catch me, doctor. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. I know. I was just like, I oh, the there she plays her. Yeah. <laughs> I was hoping for a little rom com there. No. That didn't happen. That is, again, yeah. the wrong advice from. <laughs> but okay, so, so you have this. You say wrong. I say something to explore. Yeah, you're like, let's just let's just let's see, just what, see happens what happens. <laughs> yeah. Um I, I also think Jennifer, she may have had issues with all the stuff going on with the eyes, but you were much more merciful to the dogs, which you would have had oh, her just leave. <laughs> yeah, you hate the dogs. How do there are there are some lovable, loving dogs in this that um 
some people want to do bad things to them because they may have been infected by the pseudomycota and you don't want that. Let the dogs yeah. take over the world, man. Mm -hmm. I will that. Kind of the canines. I'm, I, yeah, I'm kind of a, kind of a dog sparer in general. Uh, I you. think that, I guess I, Leech is kind of guilty because like dogs are kind of cheap, right? Like everyone loves dogs. Hurting a dogs is cheap. And Leech, Leech is really cheap in that like it kind of uh, endangers the dogs, but it doesn't go through with it. So I feel like Spoilers. even the leech would, it's like, I can't. I mean, look, I can't. It's, it's so, so cute. cute. It's so it cute. would love me forever. Forever. <laughs> Yeah, it would. No, and and I I feel like so you take some topics and some some themes that are dark and gross, and yet there's such humanity through all of this, and just the themes that you explore through some of these kind of unconventional ways, and the idea of what life means and at what expense we we hold life everything from how the rich treat the poor and expendable miners or different groups of people who oh well you know the, the montish who have the tails and i i would like to be one of those um and, and how other groups see them you explore this all so beautifully and then you come back to these disgusting things too and i've never i've never read something that i felt did something like this so well and i would say like your narrator handled some of the voices in the heads so well that it was always clear what was going on um when other voices were being heard that maybe shouldn't have been being heard like this is a sign something is going very very wrong um what was the inspiration for some of some of that internal dialogue stuff uh it it all kind of came back to the the emergent behavior thing in biology and like okay if, a, if an organism can be made out of so many cells that communicate in very uh very unique and interesting ways and express their genetics in different ways while, you know, being part of the same organism. Like how do my thyroid cells know to be a thyroid cell and how does my skin know how to be a skin and all, and how do they communicate with each other so that my blood pressure goes up or down. Um, I kind of just like wanted to take the idea of like cell to cell communication, uh, even by long distances and just size it up yes. and be like, okay, the unit of communication is a human brain at this point. And then, cause like, hi, like hive minds in science fiction or, you know, that sort of time honored tradition and- And a good one. And a good one. And I, I like really, it. I really love hive minds. And so yes. um, I sort of approached it uh, with the intent of exploring if your sort of smallest unit of communication is actually a full human and full humans have extremely unique brains and unique ways of thinking about things because necessarily even genetically ident identical individuals will grow up in slightly different environments. Like how would these units of communication actually end up processing things differently from each other? And even us with like one brain inside of us we have chatter like we have voices we have second thoughts we have mind like, all of us thought. yeah yeah <laughs> exactly we have we doubt ourselves we say things that we're like why did i say that and like just internally in a single you know single conscious mind we have all these contradictions and all these uh, internal conversations and i think that if i were a hive mind who was made up of people I would try to sort of externalize a little bit of that uh, and talk to myself out loud. I talk to myself out loud as it is. <laughs> You're like, just <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And like what, you know, what units of this larger being would react to uh, stimuli in different ways just by virtue of having different genetics, you know, and, and would they disagree with each other and why and how? And, and that was really, really fun. And I had a great time with it. <laughs> Well, I loved I loved reading it and figuring out where things were going, including how we're solving a problem like pseudomycota, which like, OK, hi, it could probably kill everybody here. And how is it spreading? And oh, damn, the dog might have it. And oh, maybe it's in other people earlier that we didn't realize. Right. And it's in that the part was lock. terrifying. The yes. idea of that we, when we didn't really understand how long it had been inside yeah, anyone. Mm hmm. It's in us and it's like, yeah, and it could be anybody. It's like, yeah. 
So it's a it's body like, snack you know, kind of like, thing where the, the, the incubation time yeah, is it's like as long thing. as you want. Mm-hmm. And it, it depends on, you know, how, which, which person has it and what their immune system is like. And I mean, even in real life, you can incubate something for a day or six months. Depending. And it's like when my kid goes, Jackson spit on me and that's why I'm sick. I'm like, well, it's possibly why you're sick, but you guys are all a bunch of germs. So let's not blame Jackson, but maybe he should stop spitting on you. And you're all a bunch of second grade germs. Like if you want a Petri dish, go into his second grade class. Just, yeah. Yeah. yeah the the moment your kid is like, somebody spit on me. You're like, oh, I'm going to be so sick in yep. two weeks. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. Well, and I have like, like 10 different things. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Like you should be wearing a mask around our kids all the time. Like, you know, that's impractical that I'm not going to wear a mask 24 seven because right. also by the time I realize one of them sick, it's too late. I've already right. smuggled them. I've got right. it. Um, but all basically from November to about April, it's just gross around here. Um, mm-hmm. But I do have a, an aching question. What the hell is weight rock? And I don't want to eat it. Oh, <laughs> Yeah. Won't make me eat it, but what is it? I really want to know. We Rock is, I mean, a lot of things in the book are sort of left uh, unexplored. Uh-huh. Uh, so, which I love. Thank you for doing that's that. Like, it was changing in my head, even from reading it the first time, the second time, I'm like, what the hell is it? And I'm going, it's like doozer sticks that are made from radishes and the fraggles eat them. But I can't make everything into Muppet logic. That's, that is how I function. But I'm pretty sure they weren't originally radishes <laughs> growing in caves. So then I'm like, it's a fungus. It's some kind of nasty fungus because it's growing in caves. So I'm assuming <laughs> yeah, it's I thought it was like the one. world's worst potato. It's <laughs> <laughs> an tuber. All right. The world's worst potato. Yeah, but I like, like the really world's hard. worst potato. I I love that. I love the world's worst potato. And that that's sort of it sort of makes sense because like exactly what sort of organism or crystalline structure wheat rock is doesn't really matter in the story. Mm-hmm. Um I think it's its function is is more like, you know, it might have been something used in the past to either provide fuel for jets or fertilize fields. It's some sort of like high energy uh, stored like soy. substance. Yeah, it's soy. It's bread. It's something that's delicious and can. Is it though? I don't I know. I've never tried it. it. I've never really tried it. it was. And I think that was one of the things is because once I realized this is a like the retro future that there are certain things that have survived. Like we still have trains, so that's part of the reason why I thought we were where we were and time wise because we start with someone on a train with gloves. I'm like, okay, this feels like this era. And then you take us a little beyond that and a little out of it. And then I'm like, so what was weed rock and how did we get there? And you never do answer it. No, I, I, yeah. I, maybe one day I'll wake up in the middle of the night with like a short story idea and I'm like, oh, that's what weed rock is. But like- It's the title, world's worst potato. World's worst potato. But it's just something that Pseudomycota loves to feed on and that people also sometimes love to feed on and crops love to feed on and maybe machines like to feed on it too. I don't know. I don't really I don't know, know who I'm invented just it. Who cre- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You invented it. <laughs> Me. I ran it with you. Me in this lab. Yeah. Wearing it in the background again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so our last batch couldn't fuel a car, but this I one know. Will. This one might, yeah. Well, I mean, we use French fry oil sometimes to fuel cars, so it's not yeah. like weirder things haven't yeah. happened. And complex and- hydrocarbons can do anything. Allison and I both shut down when you said that first. We were like, oh, hydrocarbon. Hydrocarbon. If you if you can burn it, it yeah, you can do anything with it. <laughs> I have a carbon-based life form, except for that one X-Files episode where they were like not carbon-based. I don't think anybody else remembers that but me. I'm old. Were they silicone-based? I think they were silicone-based because I think that's always the thing when it isn't carbon-based. Like, it's silicone-based. But I'm like, is there another choice of what it could be? Uh ah. I don't know. That's not my specialty. That's not wheat rock. It could be made out of wheat rock. So yeah. you, managed, you managed to get through this book and you managed to get through medical school and have like a real person day job that your harpist aunt said, do not quit. <laughs> yes. are you, but are you still writing? She must be so, so proud have, right now. So we can I, have more wheat rock induced stories that may not need to include wheat rock. We're not limiting you. We're just curious. I am uh, still writing. Uh, I have a story coming out in an anthology this October of Canadian writers called Northern Nights, uh, published by Undertow and edited by Michael Kelly. 
there isn't Wheat Rock in there, but it is a short story that's sort of a proto Montish story. Like it's way closer to our time. It's like Ooh. before some of the larger apocalypses that have buried Verdira in snow and um, that's coming out. Uh, I have, I'm still working on book two. Uh, Does that feedback. have a date set? 2025 some okay that's, yeah. that sounds so far <laughs> it's 2024 it's very weird oh my like, god no yeah it's weird. Weird. i know it's, it's like close it's i know that's that's just next just year. next year that's that's not yeah and in publishing um, time that's like a week from now yeah i know i need to work on it <laughs> <laughs> like, that's Stop what i messing do. around hiring i know working doing podcasts having green hair are you still living in a basement under Virginia Woolf Professor House? Or no, I have my own one bedroom, like a real adult. Okay, mostly I'm just worried <laughs> like about like, your air shit. circulation and that you're not living in an actual cave. Like that, that just makes me a little concerned for your your lungs. You know, it's it's a little cave like, uh, but <laughs> nothing wrong with that. Nothing I think I that. think I'm okay. <laughs> We'll find out. <laughs> yeah. all, it's all good. I mean, I just, I loved this. And it, it is always funny whenever I find out somebody is like, their day job is so different than whatever writing is. It's like, oh yeah, I'm a literature professor and I write. It's like, okay, those things make sense. You're like, no, yeah. no, I'm in the hard sciences and I have a hard science job. Yeah. And then I go back to writing that you can understand somebody being like, yeah, I don't want to mess around with publishing anymore because they're mean. Over there. It's so, <laughs> actually, it's so, okay. So one thing like, um, I recently joined like a, like, I, I don't know anyone who's an author. I don't have any author like friends. I joined a discord. You do now. Yeah, well, I do now, but yeah. like <laughs> I joined a discord and like, I went into it with, with the thought that like, wow, I'm so lucky that I can do this for a living. And then like a week into the discord and hearing like chatter about like pu publishing industry and being a writer and being a full-time writer and like being dependent on that like as an income, I was just like, I am so lucky to not have to do this for a living. That's what, that's what Hiram just does this away from the Discord. Do, 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 do. Like, Homer Simpson back into the bush. Do, 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 do. I feel like when we all start in this industry, like, you just, like, go in there, like, these rose-colored glasses. Yeah. And then you start just hearing things. You're like, oh, oh, that oh. too happened. Oh, and then. Oh. It is such a world, weird world out weird there, y'all. It's so it's weird. And it's, like, I don't really know, like, the Virginia Woolf professor, academic writing. I have like no, no idea. I had no idea what the fiction publishing world was like, especially yeah. genre fiction. <laughs> like, oh, and it is totally different. And I was going to say, yeah. like you coming from a science background, your how you would have been told to write would have been completely different than how fiction is supposed to be. And I come, I come from a legal background and I went from like writing short stories and stuff as a kid, having that beaten out of me a little bit in college, completely beaten out of me in law school where they're like, right. stop using adjectives. How dare you? Get yeah, 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 I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I remember having my boss sit there with a red pen, like crossing off anything that was even remotely interesting in my brief. It's like factual. I'm like, you're no fun. Like maybe the mediator wanted to have fun while reading this. Okay. Um, but no, probably the mediator did not want to have fun while reading. Yeah. That. I mean, I, I would say that science writing is the same, but it really depends on the outlet. Like mm. there are some pa like medical paper, like published in medical journals. That'll be like, uh, that'll be like, um, jalapeno induced diarrhea, a, an explosive <laughs> spice of a, or like, it's just like something really? like they'll put it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> You're like, I saw that one, pulls it up. Well, and I've, I've been helping a friend who he's getting his doctoral thesis, but it's in folk music. So oh, again, it's academic writing. I've loved reading it because I haven't read that kind of writing in a long time, like the actual academic writing. And even still, what law school does is very different than what the academic dissertation style writing. And I outright, so I'm like, if your footnotes are wrong, I'm not gonna be able to help you that, but I can tell you where your commas are wrong and the answer is most places. So let's, yeah, let's yeah, yeah. that. Okay. <laughs> um, and really what he wanted me to be doing was having no knowledge of the area doesn't make sense. Am I, is, is he making too many assumptions and can I read? And I really enjoyed doing that. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think I could get through a science paper at this point because my years of biology are so far behind me <laughs> and it has been replaced by schlock science fiction to the yes. point where I'm like, what do you mean the Epstein drive isn't real? 
You're telling me that James S.A. Corey, who is two people, made that up? I mean, there's a live mind for you. And, and I don't remember anymore. Like, wait, did I learn that? So Stargate, that's not real either. Okay. Where is real science? I don't even know. So That's honestly, an awesome world to live in, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, but again, it sounds magical. It's magical, but you can't necessarily trust what science is. And I, I joke that I'm like literary science fiction, but it's really more science fantasy because my science is not good enough to count as like hard science fiction. No, and like there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with science fantasy either. Like I love a little science that resembles magic and I love not having things explained to me. And I like not explaining things to other people, obviously. Like we rock. <laughs> Like yeah. we rock. And I appreciate that because I always love books that make me think, hey, what the hell is going on here? And also, I like, maybe that's the artist mind in me. I like it in my imagination. Yeah. Yeah. If you told a... me that wheat rock was more like um, like a thin crystalline sheet of like something, I'd be like, oh, yeah. I don't like that I know it takes, that. It takes away a little bit of the mysticism that, that yeah. sort of... and that drew me to science fiction when I was a kid and like sort of still keeps me there. Like there's, you know, like when I was a kid, there is something like so incredibly mystical about like Dune that just blew me away. And like, I went to Christian school when I was a little kid and- We're sorry. You know, yeah, they <laughs> turned me into a raging atheist for a while, but um, no, but That's I, what I feel like I really, it was like the, my alternative to the Bible was essentially mm -hmm. Dune. And it was like as important spiritually to me to have something it's also like as mysterious. Heavy. Like it's also as heavy. Yeah. yeah. And especially as a kid, it just like seems so mysterious and adult. Mm -hmm. And you're like, and like, there is a lot of mysticism in Dune. Like, don't get me wrong. Not all big sci-fi books are like that. But I, I think that one's just, particularly mystical. It's like, that one's particularly mystical. What is in that box? Don't ask. Don't ask. <laughs> <laughs> Let me put my hand in there again. Yeah. Don't do that. No, and and I I love that, and I'm I'm probably one of those weird people because I am a Christian who still loves the sci-fi, and I'm like, this is why I loved the Frank Peretti and the C.S. Lewis stuff, and have always thought they can go together. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's there's nothing saying they can't. Um, but I do like the idea that you're like, this is my alternative growing up. Like, I'm gonna I'm gonna go over here and read what's going on on this planet, yeah. rather than whatever's going on in the book of Job. Because on ours. <laughs> Yeah, and, and they were presented, I mean, they, they struck my, my my developing mind as having equal weight, which mm -hmm. I think is, I don't know, kind of interesting looking back yeah, on it. Amazing. Well, yeah. I think the creative aspect absolutely should be because, I mean, you need that part. And to be creative, you can't be like everything's prescriptive. It has to be open to be letting you figure things out. Like, what is wheat rock? And don't tell us. That's fine. Um, but the idea, like for now, what are you reading now that isn't your medical textbooks of looking up what's in the little Petri dish next to you? Like, oh, that's gross. <laughs> Matches this picture. Yep, we have a match. So what are you what are you reading now? Or do you even have time to read now? Um, I am reading now. Uh, let's see, I just finished Pale Fire by Nabokov, which was incredibly good. Just, if you like unreliable narrators, yeah. highly, uh, highly recommend Pale Fire. Um, it's, uh, have you heard of it? Will I be repeating myself if I sort of explain no, it? Or, it. I, I know Nabokov, but I don't know that one. I think everybody I know knows that Lolita, right? Yeah, yeah. Lolita. Everyone knows Lolita. 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 We got, we're like, hmm, Lolita. One. <laughs> um, so Pale Fire is presented in two parts. Uh, the first part is an epic poem by a fictionally famous uh, poet, John Shade. And then the latter half of the book is commentary on the poem itself. Ooh, and the narrator, the narrator is the commentator on the poem. And he is insane. And it is so good. And it, it's just like, narrated by a delusional little freak and it's awesome highly Love recommended it. especially if you have like any background in academia and uh any interest in poetry i guess even though it's a novel essentially but it's no, really no that sounds good yeah, no, that's awesome. I love that. And I do, and I do love unreliable narrators. And I don't know if you've read, have you read Adam Levine's uh, or Adam Levin's uh, Bubblegum? 
is mm-hmm. that one. I, it's one of the books that I shove at people who I go, I think you can handle this. And so I don't shove it at many people because first off it is Dune sized. Um, and I, yes. I, listen to, I listen to a lot of it and my library app that had it, like I renewed it twice and then it was no longer available. So I had to go chase down a physical copy because I needed to know how it finished. But I had a friend stop reading it right away because the grammar was incorrect, but it's because everybody talks like the narrator. Everybody is. And they have a very specific way of talking. And mm-hmm. there's there's some unreliability about how things happen, like interchanges, because you can tell everything is funneled through this very strange narrator's awesome. um, P- POV. Awesome. But there's also some like gross stuff that happens and squeamish. But you wrote Leech, so I think you're oh, I, the grosser the squeamisher, the more unre- unreliable. Well, yeah, yeah. It's, but uh, there are some. It's about these little things that may or may not be animals or maybe robotic, and it is intentionally left unclear which they are. Yes. But it's okay. So cute that people kill and eat them. But they're awesome. Also, go figure. Great. Yeah. Jennifer's just like, why are you trying to make me read this book? I'm like, I want no, to. No, I mean, I would read that. You're like, That's probably. Yeah, that, that was yeah, a pretty that. successful pitch, I think. Yeah. yeah. And, and <laughs> I, I, I think what kept me away is you were like, it's like 45 hours long. It is. <laughs> it is like, and I'm like, too long. And like, as, as you can tell, we, we've we tried to scale back how many shows we do because we do read every book that we have on the show. Right. And, yeah. And then at some point we're like, we never have time to write our own stuff. And mm. we're like, oh, we were supposed to be doing that. We know we forgot something. <laughs> right. I know. Um, like, oh, my career. That's what right. I forgot. So, right. <laughs> How am I supposed to quit my day job? Yeah, exactly. You're a dance teacher. I know. What if you <laughs> listen to the books while you're dancing? Because I'm supposed to be students? communicating with my students. Oh, I knew I forgot something. And I've got to hear the music. They're not going to count the fox trot for themselves. That's what I'm there for. I'm glad you're there for them. You need them. <laughs> I love that. But yeah, go get bubblegum. It's it, it's it's what I think you would you would enjoy. But I'm waiting for your cool. next book, and I will be looking for it. Tell us some of the anthology again. We can put it in the comments too. That's it's called October. It's called Northern Nights, Love and it. it's coming out in October. October of this year, 2024. And it's a Canadian, is it Canadian horror? Yeah, it's Canadian. It's all, it's all cold night themed. It can Perfect. be sort of like cross genre, but. Yeah, I, I've learned a lot of times um, the the genre of something is up to the interpretation of whether or not the editor wants to kind of impose whatever the genre is. Yeah, yeah. Or like whatever they want to market it as. Yeah, they're like, we yeah, told you like, this oh, in the call. Horror's hot right now. Call. Let's do that. Oh no, yeah. let's call it. <laughs> Let's call it speculative. That seems less scary. Speculative is the blanket term. Yeah. What? It's all good. It's all good. Hiren, you were amazing. I know you probably have to go back to your job because we've kept you for almost an hour. And considering you came on before the show, it's it's been an hour. But we want we want you to come back from your undisclosed undisclosed location with samples of wheat. I know, just kidding. You don't have to actually (laughs) produce samples of wheat. Sure, I'll bring a little jar of it. (laughs) A jar. It could be anything. Just like just. Let a potato start to rot now. And by the time the next book comes out, it will have like a face. Rock. <laughs> They're like, it's boba pearls or it's like apple butter. There are some really nasty things we can, if you <laughs> don't know Make what, some wheat rock out of that. Yeah. That's <laughs> disgusting. Like it's crystal candy. It's wheat rock. Yeah. But it's, it's nutrition. Imagine if, if like hard candy, like hard rock candy was actually nutritious. Oh, I wouldn't eat anything else. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this would be really mad. They're like, we've been telling you not to eat. You're like, but it's nutritious. Crack. There goes. Like, crack. I don't need vegetables anymore. I yes. never did. Dark chocolate's healthy now. <laughs> it is. Byron, yeah. thank you so much, and thank you everybody who's watching us live or on the replay. Make sure to tune in in two weeks when we are back. Until then, bye, bye Leech. Bye. 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 <laughs> Thanks for having bye. me. Bye. Thank you.